Okay, fantastic. Welcome. <clears throat> this is the HubSpot user group um, based out of London, run by White Hat. My name is Fluid Probert. You can see that on the screen. I'm the CEO of White Hat. We're an uh, inbound marketing agency based out of London. Uh, we're big fans of the growth-driven design philosophy and methodology. And the reason that we're really, really pumped today is that we've got Luke Summerfield, who's going to give us a talk. Luke is the, what are you, what are you Luke? The go-to market lead for the CMS and has been the advocate and the brand leader, really the, 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 the go-to person for anything related to the um, growth-driven design way of approach. Uh, we're big fans, really pumped. And just to give you some sort of um, outline of what we're going to do today, Luke's going to talk through his ideas behind growth-driven design. He's going to talk a little bit about the HubSpot CMS, how they relate to each other, best practice. And please, if you've got questions, put them in the Q&A. There will be a recording afterwards, which we'll publish out on the community. But really, I'd love this to be an interactive session and get some feedback to Luke, because you don't often get a chance of getting a real expert on the line. You can ask him questions, ask him anything you like. And with that said, Luke, over to you. All right, beautiful. Thank you so much, my friends, um, for joining us today, investing time in uh, in your busy week uh, as we near the end of the year. Um, and we're going to go through some content. Um, before we get started, as I'm sharing my screen, get the chat pane up and running. I got the chat pane open here. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm going to throw some questions out to y'all. Uh, thanks, Ben, everyone in Ear Candy in London. <laughs> Um, let me know in the chat pane where you're calling in from, what part of, um, could be Europe, what part of uh, England, could be UK, where are you calling in from today? And also let me know if you can see my screen. Let's see, hello from London. Hello, hello. Kaz from London, Karma, Oxshire, England, London, Victoria from London, from Yorkshire, New UK. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I've been out there a little bit, mainly in the Manchester uh, area, which I know is a little further north than London. I've been to London as well. Absolutely love London. Beautiful. Okay, my friends, we're going to get started. Today, we're going to talk about peak performing websites in 2021. And this was me uh, last night <laughs> preparing for this talk. And I was preparing for the talk because um, I was doing some research and I stumbled on something absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Does anyone, let me know in the chat pane, does anyone know what this is? What is this thing? Have you seen this before? Have you used this? Adrian says yes. Richard CD, John CD, Karma CD. Makes me feel old. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Some of you might remember the tapes. This is a CD-ROM. And the crazy thing about CD-ROMs was that this was the standard for delivering software in the 90s. This is how software came. Uh, you would get the CD, unpackage this physical thing, put it in the computer. And the, the, it was kind of like you had to treat them like your kids, right? You had to keep them clean. You had to put them in safe places, make sure they didn't get scratched. And the crazy, the other crazy thing is that this was the typical release cycle 
for CDs. You would only see a new CD, a, a new CD-ROM or a new piece of software every two years. Microsoft 95 would come out. Everyone downloads it, updates their system. And then the, the developers from Microsoft would go back into their, their uh, backroom cave and start coding until Microsoft 98, and you would launch the next software. And the last thing that was really interesting last night as I was researching this is that there was three fundamental shifts happening in the world of software in the 90s that totally changed the way we think about software. The first shift was around technology. Servers were getting cheaper. Internet was getting faster. It was a lot easier to run software online. That informed a shift in the process, how companies go about building peak performing software because they could release more, more quickly. They could have more data at their fingertips on how users were interacting with their software, which informed the third shift, which was culture. How do companies think about building a peak performing business around software? And these three shifts came together to create magic and create the SaaS revolution, software as a service. And we saw a number of those companies uh, not make the shift from the CD-ROM days to the SaaS days. We saw some that did make the shift successfully, and we saw a few that were just glimmers, just ideas in the CD-ROM days that are now some of the biggest companies in the world. And so you may be asking yourself, uh, what does this have to do with websites. We're here today, Luke, to talk about websites. What does this have to do? Thomas says, damn, I feel old. Yeah, you and me both, brother. Well, we're here talking about it because these same three shifts are happening in the world of web design. History repeats itself, my friends, and we're seeing those same three shifts of technology, process, and culture come together to open a door of opportunity for each and every one of us as marketers, as business owners, to think about how we grow our business differently, leveraging our website. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to go through a lot of content. We're going to go quick. Um, I'm going to bring some energy from California at 6 a.m. We're going to start with talking about culture shift. So let me know in the chat pane, why does your business have a website? What's the purpose of the website? Why do we invest the time and energy into a website? Let me know in the chat pane. Mohammed, I think it's a local issue. Some people said that they uh, they were able to see it. Um, maybe try restarting Zoom. Let's see, Paul says lead gen, Richard brand awareness, karma, gain customers, Victoria, for us to keep engage our target market visibility. It's your digital home. Ooh, I love that, Laura. Digital home. You can own it. Well, hopefully you own it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, drive conversations with prospects, lead gen, and brand awareness. Dean has an existential answer, which is to exist. To exist in this day and age, you need a uh, website. Do you even exist without a website? Well, what we see when we look at how traditional cultures, traditional cultures think about their website, they think about it like a business expense. This is just kind of a necessary evil that we have to go through in, in running a business in 2020. But what the, the mindset shift that modern companies have when you look at the fastest companies growing in the world, the, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Slacks who just got acquired, the, uh, the HubSpots, the way that those companies think about their website is that it is a growth investment. As you invest time and energy into this machine, into this machine, it's going to pay dividends just like any other 
um, any other business investment. And so they, it's a subtle shift, but it is an important shift to think about instead of a sunk cost, instead of something that we're having to just put our time and energy in, to think of it like a growth investment. And that changes what you do at the website uh, from a tactical perspective. The other shift that we see is traditionally the website's a digital brochure. It's kind of just, maybe it was a PDF that lives somewhere. Or it was a print thing that got turned digitally um, for the sales team to kind of throw out there. And although that's still, you know, helpful, we've seen modern companies shift to thinking differently about their website. They think about it as a product with wide sweeping impact. Now, let me break that down for a second. When I'm, what I mean by product is you at your company have products or services that deliver value to your customers and folks are willing to pay money for. And modern companies see their website as an extension of their product line. It's part of their products that they offer. It might be a free product. It might be pre-sale, but it's still a product that delivers value that people might be willing to pay some money to get the information, to, to learn the content that's on there, to be guided in their decisions. Right. Um, and some people these days now are monetizing off their website. Of course, we hit, we see e-commerce all the time. They're selling directly. Uh, we have learning management systems and on, online uh, um, training courses like HubSpot Academy. And so you could start thinking about other products that you could sell. Now, wide sweeping impact. I'll give you an example of that in just a minute. So we'll come back to that one. Uh, the next one, the last one here is that traditionally... There's very much a culture around the website of assumptions. What looks pretty? What does the CEO think? And that's what we should do. And what we find out is that um, modern cultures instead, because of the access that we have and the insights that we have at our fingertips, whether you're using a tool like HubSpot or Mixpanel or Google Analytics, you have this data at your fingertips to make more informed decisions about what to build, where to prioritize your time so you can be smarter about building a website that's going to deliver value to your customers and impact the business. And so it's much more of a data-driven decision versus a, well, what do we, what do we think? What looks pretty? What are our competitors doing? Maybe we should copy them. You could be a lot smarter about how to make those decisions. Um, so my ask here, my friends, is to, to reject the traditional culture and to start shifting the way that you think about your website is in your business. And I want to give you in each one of these sections, I know this is very high level, very strategic, uh, very, very high level um, uh, trains of thought. I want to give for those folks who are tactically implementing their website for their business, some takeaways, a couple takeaways, and I'll give you a bigger resource uh, to get even more. But to start to help with your culture shift, the first thing that I would recommend is, again, being able to make data-driven decisions. And the only way that you can make data-driven decisions is to gain an, an understanding of how existing real, real customers, real um, visitors are interacting with your site. There's two tools that I really like. The first one is Hotjar, H-O-T-J-A-R. Um, and then a very similar tool is a complement tool or a, a supplement tool is Lucky Orange. And you can get these on your site uh, today. They have free plans. And this will allow you to start seeing click heat maps. It'll allow you to see scroll heat maps. It'll give you user recordings so that as you're trying to diagnose friction points within your website experience, you can see exactly where people are getting hung up. Now, the beauty of this is if you're a HubSpot customer, you get this one plus one equals three effect where you can install uh, Lucky Orange. You can integrate it. We have an integration in our app marketplace and all of that a lot of that data in terms of click heat map user recordings now will get dumped on a contact timeline. 
And when it's contact timeline, now it can trigger your automation. It can trigger your personalization on your site. It can do all of these really magical things um, based off of how an individual user um, is, inter- is clicking around. So check that out. The second thing, the second tactic here is to get a meeting together with the other heads of the company, the other departments, and ask yourselves, the purpose of this working session is to ask yourselves, how might we, as a company, leverage our website to remove friction and build a world-class customer experience in all of these other departments? And so what that means is that your website should be impacting more than just marketing. Let me say that again. Your website should be impacting more than marketing. I know our marketers, everyone on the, on the call said uh, lead gen, brand awareness, all these marketing related things. And that is absolutely the place you should start as a, as, a, as, a, as a department who's on the hook for generating leads and driving revenue. That is a perfect place to start. But there's other ways that you can leverage the website to drive business growth, sales, HR, customer support. And so if we look at the customer journey, you know, again, as a marketer background myself, I typically always thought of the website with little blinders on. I was like, a website is only a tool to tr- attract visitors and convert leads. That's how you use the website. But once you've got that down, start to expand your thinking and think about how might we leverage the website to in- better engage prospects by building educational centers, by building sales enablement um, materials, but also tools and calculators. How do we how might we use the website for brand new customers? First 14 days of a customer's life at your business is absolutely critical. That's the point where they're going to activate and see value. And we need to get them to see value as quick as possible. Otherwise, you're going to see a bunch of uh, churn customers um, out the back end. And so how might we leverage the website and build an onboarding flow for them to activate and see value and start using our products and services? How might we build a customer dashboard? a personalized dashboard where customers can log in and they can see exactly the new announcements and we can drive cross-sell and upsells. Again, as marketers, we're on the hook for generating leads and revenue, and that includes cross-selling and upselling existing customers. And what about advocacy programs to drive word-of-mouth campaigns? Right. So these are all some ways that you can start to think broader about how you leverage the website. Now, we have an example here from our friends at G2. G2 is like the Yelp of software reviews. They used our marketing hub and CMS hub together to run their virtual conference in 2020. And the results were astounding. They had 3,000 registrants to their event. Uh, They had 300 net new leads, and it attributed $5 million in in, uh, revenue. And so, again, this is thinking wider about how you can leverage the website as a tool to help uh, other parts of the company grow. All right, next, let's shift gears and talk about process. First, when we think about process, and I think about traditional companies, and there's a traditional way they go about it, and this is the way that I went about it as I was learning um, web design, and I was building, and I was working at an agency 10 years ago, it was very much a business-focused strategy. It was me, 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 me. Why are we the best? Why are we better than our competitors? What sales do we have going on? And it was really talking about yourselves. And here's the, if you don't take anything away from this entire webinar, the thing that I want you to take away is that your audience doesn't care about you. They really don't. I'm sorry. It's hard to hear, but they really don't. What they care about is how can you help me in my journey to get to the progress that I'm trying to make in my business, that I'm trying to make in my life, how can I, how can you get me down that journey faster, cheaper, easier than you are today? 
by working with you versus working your competitor. It's a subtle shift. And what that does is the, the way that modern companies think about it is they use a customer-focused strategy. They actually put their company information, their products, their services to the side, and they start in the shoes of the customers. They start by gaining an empathetic understanding of the world that the customer lives in, the journey that they're on, what are they doing today, why are they doing it today, and then they bring in their products and services, their messaging, their positioning, and weave that in as a part of the journey to show how you can make progress on it faster, right? And so it's a subtle shift, building something over here and throwing it at your customers, and hopefully it sticks and it, and it resonates, versus meeting the customer and weaving through uh, through there, right? Ben Rogers says, similar to lean methodology, lean, agile, you're going to see a lot of um, hints of that today. This is a lot of uh, UX design principles baked in here. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. Now, hopefully you get through the strategy side of things. I'll give you a little tip on where to start with strategy in a minute. Uh, and you start to build the thing. But I got a question for you. So pull up the chat pane and let me know what emotions did you experience during your previous website redesigns? For those of you who have done a website redesign, what emotions did you feel? Smeo says anxiety, Paul frustration, James frustration, Laura frustration, karma overwhelmed, joy. Good. We got one, one, one good one in here. We got cooks in the ki uh, kitchen, too many cooks, urgency, overwhelmed, time consuming headaches, terror, terror. It's a horror movie. Maybe you should schedule. Maybe we should schedule our redesigns during Halloween season, and then we'll get a little little fright in there. Um, well, we asked marketers, hundred marketers, what was their response? And it was pretty similar to what we saw. We have excitement, hope, proud, but equally there was all these negative emotions: frustration, overwhelmed, anxiety, stress, and my favorite one, which is this one: vacation. Like, just get me out of here. I need to go to the beach. Give me a cocktail. I need to relax. And the reason being is that the traditional process almost inevitably goes over budget and gets delivered late. We are setting ourselves up for failure, my friends, by using an outdated, broken playbook for building these sites. And so in all the projects that I've worked on over the years, hundreds of websites, it's almost inevitably always gone over budget, delivered late. And it's not from a lack of talent. I've worked with really good people. It's not from a lack of budget. I've had projects where they'll tell me, use as much budget as you need, just do it right. And these problems still happen. It's because we're using that broken playbook. We're setting ourselves up for failure. And so instead of trying to think about the website as this big, huge six month, eight month long, um, huge journey to go on where it always goes over budget and gets delivered late, we instead want to build a website that looks and performs better than what you have today, but is just a starting point. It's just the starting point. We know it's not going to be perfect because there's no such thing as perfect, but we want to get something that looks and performs better than what we have today. We call it a launchpad website, and that's just the launch of all your continuous improvement efforts. It's the launch of the project, not the finish of the project. And so at a certain point, hopefully your website does go live and you might look something like this. But when we ask marketers, those same marketers, how often do they make impactful improvements to their website? They said only 42% of them make it once a year. Once a year, 42% jump in there. They make some kind of change. Now, I'm not talking about blogging. I'm not talking about building landing pages for inbound campaigns. Of course, that's all on the inbound marketing side of things. But your homepage, your pricing page, your content, like the core pages that are driving value to the customers, only once 
per year. And so what happens is the website process sort of looks like this. You have a site, it sits for a year and a half, two years and decays and really becomes out of date, performs so poorly that at a certain point, you've kind of hit the trigger and you've got to embark in this six month, frustrating, challenging redesign only to launch the site and let it sit. And the funny thing here is, you know what this looks like? This looks like the world of software in the 90s, in the CD days. And so when it goes, when, when we go about building a website using the traditional process in the traditional mindset, we are living in the days of the CDs. But modern companies have thought of a better way to do it. Instead of this set it and forget it, they think about how might we continuously improve the website over time. We have this data at our fingertips. We can rapidly release things onto the site. How can we, on a regular monthly basis, continue to get closer and closer to perfect over time? And so I'm going to give you a little sneak peek on, on kind of the high-level process of that continuous improvement. We have a full certification, free certification in the HubSpot Academy. I'll give you a link to in a minute. But the, what that looks like is we get in a rhythm. We get in a rhythm of a quarterly rhythm, and then a, a monthly rhythm. The quarterly rhythm, we host what we call a quarterly summit. This is our, our time to step back and see how are we leveraging the website to drive leads, drive revenue, the things that we're on the hook for, driving business growth. And we get to change the direction of the ship, right? So we pick what we call a theme. I'll let you know what those themes are in a minute. You pick a theme for the quarter. And this theme for the quarter will relate to the direction of the ship. And once you've set that direction for the ship, you can now move into um, the continuous improvement. You can pick the theme. Let me, let me go through the themes now. So the first theme is the established theme. And you say, is the theme for the rest of the quarter to continue to establish our foundational value driving elements and the foundation of the site? This theme is very commonly picked right after you put your Launchpad website live. Because, again, there's a lot of things on your wish list that maybe you consciously chose to do after the initial site was live, right? So you harvest some of the low-hanging fruit. You could build additional audience coming to your site, making sure that there's enough people coming to your site. Um, and you could do that through technical SEO, through creating pillar pages, Um or you can gut check and make sure that the content you created actually provides value. It actually helps solve problems and move people along their journey faster, easier, cheaper than what they are doing today. And the reason that's important is you need to get through this established phase, getting that foundation done before you move on to optimize. And that's a common stumbling block that I see. A lot of people jump right on, let's optimize what we have. But if you skip over value, and you don't have people coming to the site, so you don't have data at your fingertips, you may be optimizing something that no one cares about in the first place. And so you're going to start seeing diminishing returns on your assets, on the performance of the assets on the, on the website. So that's why this established phase is absolutely critical to start with. And then over time, as the website matures, the theme for the quarter can go into optimizing. And this is where you improve usability. How do we, how do we, how do we help visitors come to the site Find that value faster than what they are, um, you know, in the least amount of clicks and the fastest amount of um, possible interactions. You can move into conversion rate optimization or CRO. And everyone's got their own kind of definition of this. The way that I like to define CRO is that on your website, you have paths that a user goes through, right? A starting point and an end point. And they go through a number of steps to get through that path. 
And in this point, what we want to do is remove the number of steps and remove the amount of friction to get as many people from point A to point B as possible. And so this is the point where we can look at optimizing and removing friction through those, uh, those funnels. And lastly, personalizing the website. Right? We don't want this one-size-fits-none fits approach where it really the website for a first-time customer, for your lifelong customer, for your customers who bought in a certain region, or your dealers versus your direct customers, we need to tailor those experiences differently based off of their journey that they're on. Otherwise, you're not going to be helping them through that journey. So this is where we can invest the time and energy to properly personalize the experience. And lastly, the last theme is expand. So here is where we've gone through the base foundation. We've optimized what we have. At a certain point, you're going to see diminishing returns with your optimization efforts, right? Your one hour of time invested in optimizing a certain part of the site is going to reduce the amount of results over time. Like you're going to just, they're going to get more and more efficient over time. And so this is where you can shift gears and start thinking about expanding the impact of the business, uh, the website has on the business. And we've talked about a few of these. We talked about, you could think about building digital products onto your site, those online courses, uh, those graders, those calculators, those things that are going to help provide value that someone might be willing to pay a couple bucks for, but you're going to offer for free. You could think about, again, we talked about the journey and helping other teams in the company start expanding outside of just lead gen and revenue generation the, the impact they can have. One example I'll give you is at HubSpot. So at HubSpot, the number one thing that we can do as a company is to grow is to hire good talent. That's the number one thing. It's actually more important for the company than revenue, than leads, because if we don't have good talent, right, we're going to stall out. We're going we're gonna to start seeing diminishing um, impact with the, the folks that we have. And so we're, we, we, the marketing team and the HR team linked up to build a phenomenal careers page, absolutely awesome careers page and build an inbound funnel of recruits going to that inbound, um, inbound recruiting page. And so um, that's an example of where it might not be directly lead generation, but it is a lever that helps the company grow and the marketing team can team up with HR team to make that happen. All right, so those are the themes. That's what you wanna get out of the quarter, the quarterly summit is what is the direction of our ship for this quarter. Then we start to narrow in. It's all about focus. And so you start narrowing in on what you need to do every single month um, in that quarter. And you create what we call a wish list. The wish list is all the impactful ideas of the things that are going to make a direct impact on the theme for the quarter, right? So for some of you who were talking earlier, sounds like lean, sounds like agile. This probably looks pretty familiar. Again, agile is kind of the uh, base bone, uh, the backbone of this process. And so once you've set the wish list for the month, you can then pull off of the wish list and do a two-week sprint. And basically that's get laser focused on execution, um, get the team to swarm on those tasks that they need to get done and execute them uh, in a regular two-week rhythm. At the end of the two weeks, you go back to the wish list, you reprioritize based off of any new information, new data, new learnings, and continue to improve from there. Again, I know I'm going through this quickly, but... Um, you, I'll give you a place where you can learn more in just a second. But what we see is that when you go through a process like this, you start to see incremental improvement every single month. The results that you're generating from the website become more and more. And of course, marketing and sales lives as a part of this. It's not, these things aren't completely distinct, right? The inbound marketing efforts should tie into what you're doing with growth driven design and tie into your sales efforts. These three, three elements you really need together to build a growth machine. 
Now at HubSpot, we took these process ideas, much of it inspired by our own software team, how our own software and how the, the software teams in Silicon Valley work with their UX design, their product managers, and their, um, their growth experimentation teams. And we've packaged that into a methodology that we call growth-driven design. And we started teaching this to agencies. We have uh, about a thousand agencies in 50 countries using some level of growth driven design with their clients. And we asked those agencies, when you do growth driven design versus traditional design, what kind of results do you see? And what they reported was that when using growth driven design, they were able to see a quicker time to value. They launched sites in typically 60 days on time, on budget, and improved with real user data versus traditional design, 108 days, two weeks late set it and forget it mentality. Now, of course, the timing of all of this depends on the size of the site, but in terms of the, the 350 agencies that responded to our survey, here's what they reported. But at the end of the day, what actually matters for those of you who said the purpose of your website is to drive leads, to drive revenue, those same agencies said that 16, when they used growth driven design, they saw 16.9% more leads and 11.2% more revenue six months after the launch when they used growth driven design versus traditional which makes sense. I mean, if you're continuously improving the site over time, you, you would expect that it would get, generate better re, uh, uh, leads and better revenue. But um, at the end of the day, if your boss is looking for why should we use growth driven design over traditional design process, here's exactly uh, what you can tell them. All right. So that was a lot. I'm going to go give you a couple tips here, and then I'm going to give you a link to the certification to learn more if this sounds interesting. So to help with your process shift, the first thing is the strategy, that customer-focused strategy. The best starting point, and you can do this even if you already have an existing site, um, it can help give you such a good ideas on how to improve, is to interview 10 brand new customers. And when I say brand new, I mean they switched to your product or service in the last 30 days. And 10 recently lost customers who went to a competitor, so someone who switched to a competitor in the last 30 days. And what we're really interested in here my friends, is to understand the situation and the factors that cause that switch to happen. And once you understand what caused that switch to happen, then we can go back and re-engineer the website, redesign the website to make that switch happen a lot more often. And so um, you only need about 10, you'll start to see some patterns. And we give you a uh, interview template and uh, we have a recorded interview so you can kind of see if you've never done interviews before the template and the, the recorded interview will help you at this bit.ly link. And this dives into a, a UX design uh, framework called jobs to be done, which is a very, very common, a very popular, I should say, um, uh, framework used by UX designers at, uh, at software companies. And so this is something that we use internally and, and you could start applying again, thinking of your website as a product. The second thing is, Let's get a pulse check on how your current website is performing. We've built a tool, websitegrader.com, and it's a free tool. And uh, you can enter your website in. It'll give you a score to let you know what you're doing well, what you're not doing so well. And then we've built academy courses, free academy courses to teach you and kind of coach you on how to improve in certain areas. So um, let me know in the chat pane if you've ever used websitegrader.com, if you found it helpful. Again, this is an example of a digital product that we built during that expand theme. We talked about expand theme during that expand theme, a digital product that provides value. People will probably pay some, you know, a, a euro or euro or two for it, but we offer it for free. Rihanna says, yes, it's extremely helpful or it's helpful. Thank you. I'm glad you found it helpful. All right. And the next one is um, 
I'm going to give you a couple steps here to get started with optimizing uh, a particular part of your site. So what you can do here is if you're a HubSpot customer, you can use our contact attribution reporting tool, which basically shows what content on the site is generating the most amount of leads. And you can use that information to know, to laser focus in on where should I prioritize my time and effort in optimizing the site, right? It gives you the top three pages that are generating leads for your business. Um, If you're not a HubSpot customer, there's other tools that do that as long as you have it configured and set up and integrated. Um, But if you're a HubSpot customer in CMS Hub uh, or Marketing Hub Pro and above, you'll have contact attribution reporting. And once you've identified those top three pages that are driving leads, add one of those feedback surveys or a chat on that page and ask the, ask the visitors, what brought you here today? And again, this is a question to gain an empathetic understanding of the world that they're in. Why are they on that page? What information are they looking for? What problem are they trying to solve so that you can improve, your, um, improve those pages? It informs how to improve those pages. Um, this, if, if you don't have our survey tool, you can use something like, again, you can use our HubSpot chat and just use that as an automated chat bot. Um, you can use the Hotjar and Lucky Orange tool that I mentioned earlier that integrates into the contact timelines um, and, um, and use that to get that information. Once you have that information, now you could start to see why are people coming to that page? What are they looking for? What problems are they trying to solve? And you can start to rewrite the positioning, the messaging of those pages to run an experiment, to run an A-B test. And the best place for B2B companies that are smaller, that don't have a ton of traffic coming to the pages, the best place to start with an A-B test with an experiment on page is high-level messaging, these big messaging changes, and specifically above the fold, right? So the fold is, if you look at the, if you visit a website, anything that's above the bottom of your browser, so you don't have to scroll down. Everything you, you scroll down on is called below the fold. Anything that you, you see right out of the gates, right away without having to scroll, that's above the fold. And so the best place to start, again, with low traffic website, it's bigger positioning, bigger messaging changes above the fold. And the framework or the little canvas that I like to use is called the brand script canvas. This is from a um, a consultancy called StoryBrand, and they have a really nice little work um, workbook you can go through for laying out the story you want to tell on a page. Let me know if, in the chat pane if anyone's ever used StoryBrand or read the book. They have a book out um, if you're interested in it, but um, this bit.ly link will give you an overview and give you the little template to use for writing out your messaging. Once you have it, Andrew says, love StoryBrand. Once you have it, now you got your messaging. Now you can turn that into a uh, run an A-B test on it. And again, um, if you're a HubSpot customer, CMS Pro and above, Marketing Hub Pro and above, you're going to have access to A-B testing. If you're an enterprise marketing or CMS customer, you have access to to adaptive testing, which is an AI-powered testing uh, where you can do five variations. So you got a lot more power uh, in the enterprise. But either way, now you have your copy to run, to to make a copy of that page, run a a challenger variant, and run those two side-by-side to see how they perform using that brand script you wrote. And then at a certain point, when you get through that, you're going to start to see how did it perform better, uh, which, which variation performed better. You can leave that feedback poll up on both variations to see what changed in variation A versus B. What responses or chats, what did they put in the chat? What responses or chats changed in that B variation to help you understand why People change their behavior. Why did that messaging help? So that you can then identify three to five other aspect um, assets you can experiment with. Once you've learned something about users on that page, you can then apply those learnings to building better emails, 
use those, uh, apply those learnings to build better sales uh, rep templates in the templates tool. And so again, you can always identify based off your learnings, other ways to improve. All right. So I know I'm going through a lot on the process side. Uh, we specifically wanted to talk about growth driven design in this call today. And so all of this is wrapped up into, again, a growth driven design methodology. You can go to growth to learn more and get our access to our free agents or uh, uh, certification. We have a free um, HubSpot Academy certification, and that has tools, templates, uh, more videos. So if you're not sick of hearing me talk, um, you'll be able to hear a lot more as we dive into all these concepts in more depth. All right. With the remaining time, I want to shift gears here, and I want to talk about the shifts we're seeing in technology, in the technology world. Now, Let's first level set content management system. What is a content management system? You can think about the content management system as the tool behind the scenes that's powering your website. It's helping you manage, create um, the content, the experience that a visitor has. That's your content management system. And so for those of you who are using a content management system today, you have to try to work with a website. Let me know in the chat pane, what's the most frustrating part about using your CMS today? Let me know. What's the most frustrating part about using your CMS today for building your website? Paul says poor UI. What else? What other, what's the most frustrating things that you're running into when trying to make changes to your website? Georgina says not, does not integrate with everything as I want it to. Lack of flexibility. What else? What else? What else? A couple more, my friends. I know we got a lot of you on the call. What is the most frustrating thing? Glitches in UI, unpicking other CSS, trying to get into the code and different people code things differently. Limited functionality, complex functions. We have to go to the developer. Uh, does that sound familiar to anyone? Having to go to the developer to make any changes to the site? We hear that quite a bit. Security, using HubSpot CMS, better than what I used before. Adrian, awesome. That's good to hear. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to transition in by... Um, a quote from Clay Shirky is a professor at NYU, and he says, technology doesn't get truly interesting until it becomes almost invisible. And as technology advances, it should become less and less apparent you're using that technology, right? We have voice recognition software. Um, we have, I look at my iPhone. I don't even think about the technology that's powering my iPhone. We're on Zoom today all across the globe. I'm in California, so we're on totally opposite sides of the world. We didn't even think about the technology. It just seamlessly came together. But if that's the case, content management systems have this all wrong. As the website matures, it demands more from the website. As the business matures, it demands more out of the website. You have to layer in more and more plugins, more themes, more security. And all of a sudden, it starts to become very, very complicated. And what happens is with traditional CMSs, that creates a world where you have a high level of maintenance and a low level of security. You have to be maintaining the system. You have to be keeping things up to date. You have to be installing plugins, installing updates. And if you don't, you open the door to security issues. What we see with modern CMSs, and again, these are evaluation criteria, whether you're evaluating HubSpot or evaluating another CMS, just CMSs in general. Modern CMSs are built, again, in a SaaS infrastructure. And what we mean by SaaS is that all that maintenance, all that security, we just take that off your plate so that you don't have to spend your precious time, energy, resources, money hiring a developer to keep the thing up to date. We take all that off of your plate so that you can focus on your customers, focus on that continuous improvement. 
And it's not just HubSpot. When you look at the biggest CMSs growing in the world, we have Shopify, we have the Wix, we have the Squarespace. All of these are built on a SaaS infrastructure. For some reason in the traditional CMS world, which is the world I came from, the world of Joomla, Drupal, uh, WordPress, we're still living in the 90s of non-SaaS software. Traditional CMSs create gatekeepers. Uh, Seb in the chat says, going to a developer. We had another one earlier. Uh, Natalie says, we have to always go to our developer. Traditional CMSs, because you're layering things on top, they start to get a little clunky over time, start to accumulate tech debt that we call it in the software world. And it makes it harder and harder for marketers to get their work done, for the team that's actually on the hook to use the website, the team that's on the hook to generate results from the website, they have to work through these other teams to get any work done. And when we look at modern CMSs, they're built differently. Modern CMSs are built in a way that empower the marketing team to just get their work done. It streamlines the speed on which it takes to make changes, to run experiments, to personalize, to do all these things that we talked about in growth and design, speeds this up and puts the power in the marketer's hands to, to do that work. Now, that's not to say that developers are not important. Developers are absolutely important, but the role is shifting. The role is shifting. In traditional CMSs, you end up having to go to a developer for every little thing, a button chain, a button color change, adding an image, adding a new team member. And so it ends up not being the best use of your developer's time. There's no developer in the world. I, I lived in the developer world for a number of years. No developer in the world that wakes up every morning and says, yes, I get to update plugins today. Yes, I get to change button colors. It's just not, it's not fulfilling work. What those developers want to be working on and what modern CMSs allow them to work on is more impactful solutions. They can build those payment processing systems. They can build those new customer onboarding flows. They can build those learning management systems. And they can build those things on the site, more impactful types of better use, better use of their time and energy to drive actual business value versus just changing button color updates. The second thing that a developer's role shifts is they are in charge of setting up the marketer's editing experience. Right? So whether you're using a pre-built theme or whether you're building a theme custom from scratch, there is a developer involved in building out what that editing experience looks like. So the developers are almost software developers at that point where they're building the UI of the software that gets interacted with. And this is what we see again in modern CMSs. Now, again, we talked about, we talked about one size fits none, so we'll go through this quickly. But the, the, the crux of this, which was brought up... Um, in the chat pane, I'm looking up to see who said it. Georgina said, not, not everything integrates as I want it. This is, a, this is a symptom of the problem that traditional CMSs typically live distinctly separate from all of your other systems. So you have your CMS over here. You have Google Analytics over here. You have your CRM and all your customer data over here. And these systems do not seamlessly talk to each other. Yes, you can put APIs together. You can sync things up the best you can, but those break. They, not, every, not all the data pulls together. And so what, what the, the symptom of that is that it's very difficult to create those personalized experiences. You have this one-size-fits-none experience because you don't have, as a marketer, that data at your fingertips and it's not easily able to turn it into actionable tactics. Modern CMSs not only pull everything together, they couple the CRM and the CMS together and your analytics so that all the data is in one place. But additionally, they take it one step further and they, and they make it accessible and easy for a marketer to take action on that. by like, Make it easy for that marketer to personalize the site experience so that you don't, again, have to rely on developers to do it every time. 
And the other symptom that we see of those disjointed system is fuzzy reporting. Again, it's really tough to see if I invest an hour of my time or 10 hours of my team's time, what's the output on revenue? That That's a very fuzzy line when you have all these different systems that don't connect the dots. And so these systems that are integrated make it very easy for you to understand your ROI of your website efforts. Again, using the contact attribution tool, or if you have enterprise marketing hub, you can use the revenue attribution tool. Make it very easy to trickle down the investment. And that's important. It's important because for you to understand where should we invest our time and energy on a monthly basis, building that wish list, you have to know what impact your previous efforts had. And so if you don't know the impact, it's very hard for you to focus your team's time and energy. It's also very hard to report to your CMO or your CEO and get them excited about your website improvement efforts. All right, so those are evaluation criteria, regardless of which CMS you're looking for. But of course, at HubSpot on April 2020, we launched our own version of uh, a new hub called CMS Hub. And what we worked on with CMS Hub is to defy gravity. We pulled down the power for developers. Again, developers are important. It's important to have developer uh, access to developers. We pulled down the power that you get from some of these enterprise um, CMSs, the Adobe, the Sitecores, pulled those down. At the same time, pulled up the ease of use for the marketers from the Wixes, the Squarespaces, the Weeblies, and pulled together those to have um, the best of both worlds. I'm going to shift gears here, talk a little more specific about the product itself. I know there's a number of people who are interested in the product, and then we're going to wrap it up for questions. So CMS Hub is built for fast-growing companies who are tired of being held back by clunky content management systems that require heavy maintenance and are difficult for marketers to get their work done. And that starts with maintenance and management without the migraines. That's the SaaS CMS. We just take care of security, um, reliability, performance. We have premium hosting to just take all that off your plate so you can focus on your customers. We have the ability to easily build and optimize remarkable website pages. Again, tools for your marketers and your developers. Two of the new tools that we have um, are flexible themes. And this allows marketers to change look, feel, colors in a theme editor without ever having to touch CSS code. So going back to um, someone's point in conflicting CSS code, this pulls out all the non-technical folks so there's no issues to get the developer can set up this panel for them and uh, they're off to the races. We also have very easy visual drag and drop editing experience for marketers. And they can add modules, they can change widths, they can add columns, um, basically be empowered to use all of these puzzle pieces to build these uh, experiences. And again, developers are equally important. So separately from the marketer editing experience, we have a totally separate developer editing experience, which is a, a local CLI, where they can hook into all of their tools, their editors, their workflows into GitHub, everything that they know and love today, they could basically plug HubSpot in and they're off to the races. And so this new local development tooling um, makes it very easy for them to transition on and, and love working on CMS Hub. And then the last one, and this is important, it's more than just a CMS. Again, people in the chat pane said it's about growing your business using your website. And so you need an all-in-one tool to help grow traffic and generate leads. This goes back to removing, uh, being able to personalize the experience, coupling the CRM together, having all these other tools like A-B testing and contact attribution to be able to execute growth-driven design uh, process. Now, we have bigger companies. You may have bigger needs. And so, um, and I see one question coming in the chat pane. I'll, I'll be able to answer those in a minute. Those bigger companies may need something like CMS Hub Enterprise, which comes with everything we talked about to empower marketers and empower developers, but also gives scaling organizations the ability to build powerful web apps, 
build web app experiences and provide more governance over a growing team. And so being able to build web apps, you could think about building those learning management systems, building those user portals, those dealer distributor login areas, um, the uh, advocacy program forums, all of these things. You can build these web apps directly on CMS Hub. And you see here some of the, the developer tooling, the developer more technical tooling that we include to make that possible. Things like serverless functions, our custom objects, which is in our CRM. You're able to pull CRM data and render it on the front end of the site. We have a memberships login tool, reverse proxy support, and a ton of APIs. So those are the tools your developers will use to build those out. Um, here's an example from our friends at ClassPass. ClassPass is a, a very, very large, you know, over billion dollar valuation company. They built a calculator for prospective um, partners to see how much money they could they could earn if they joined the partner program of theirs. Here's another example from our product team. They actually built a event registration app and open sourced it, um, which you can find in our developer documentation for people to be able to register for events, save their spots. Um, and it, and it all ties in directly to the CRM and all of our other uh, HubSpot tools. So they trigger marketing automation off of it and personalization and everything based off of the events they've signed up for. Gain governance and control at scale. The, the too long didn't read of this for my friends in marketing is this, these are the tools that are going to keep your IT team and your security team happy. They're going to give you the, the thumbs up that CMS Hub is a great option to integrate into your other uh, security and IT team systems. We have content partitioning and, and permissions to make sure the right people have the access to the right things. You have SSO, you have site performance reporting, activity logging, again, all the things that will keep the IT team happy. And lastly, if you're a growing brand, you probably want to extend your brand. And so you have the ability to add, basically do multi-sites and add on multiple brand domains, build multi-sites, and then do all the reporting on all of those multi-sites. Here's an example from our friends at Calm. Calm is one of the top apps in the app in the Google Play and App App Store. They built their B2B side of their business is all built on CMS Hub. And here's an example of a microsite that they built. Now, it's not just me It's uh, that, that loves CMS. I'm obviously biased, but you can read our reviews on G2. We're ranked uh, number one CMS in 2019 and 2020. And a number of brands all around the world that you've seen uh, and probably know are using CMS Hub for parts of their business. And you can see more examples of websites on CMS Hub at inspire.hubspot.com. This is kind of like a showcase of some of the sites that have been built on our platform. All right, so there you have it, my friends. I know we went through a lot. We don't have a ton of time for questions. We got about five to 10 minutes, but I'm gonna we can shift to question mode if you got specific questions. Um, but these are the three shifts. These are the three shifts that are happening in the web world that are opening that opportunity for us to think differently about our website, to evolve our technology, evolve our process, evolve our culture, to grow peak performing businesses. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll open it up to Q&A. Um, I have the Q&A panel open. The Q&A panel is probably the best place to drop questions because I got my eye on there. So I'll kind of give preference to anyone who drops a question in the Q&A. Um, otherwise, I'll look at the chat as well. So either or, but um, we'll give preference to Q&A. All right, let's see. I'm scrolling up here. Rihanna says, I've been using HubSpot for our website since 2015. Love how easy it is to update our website, set up workflows, experiment, lots of independent. Well, that is so awesome to hear. I love hearing folks that um, that uh, are using our, our CMS successfully. The, uh, the thing I would tell you for existing HubSpot customers is to start looking at some of the new tooling that we've included in CMS Hub Professional. The beauty is any of our existing CMS customers automatically got upgraded 
into CMS Pro. And so you got all the new features, all the new functionality that come in CMS Pro at your fingertips. And so it's worth a revisit, um, including the, the themes and drag and drop editing. That is a, doing themes and drag and drop editing. Um, if you want to take advantage of that uh, editing experience, of course, you can stay where you're at today and keep editing things exactly how you have been, which is already um, user-friendly. But if you want to layer on some of the features I showcase, um, you could talk to your HubSpot rep on basically like the little things you need to do to get it up to date. All right, next one. Um, Megan says question. Uh, oh, okay. Megan says any questions. Good. I'm going to jump over to the Q and A panel um, instead of chat because I see some coming in. Uh, Samayo says, "What are the are there any setup costs?" Well, you know, again, it depends on what's the best path for you as a company to build a peak performing site to get to your Launchpad website. As we talked about, a site that looks and performs better than today. There's three paths that you can go down. Your first path to replatform or move on to CMS Hub is you can use one of our existing themes. So we have seven default themes that come right out of the box with CMS Hub and they're free, they're included. You can use one of those to build a site. You could also use a pre-built theme in our marketplace. So we have over, I think, 50 or 60 themes from uh, third-party developers that you can install. Um, some are free, some are paid, and you can use that to get started. The second path that you have is to um, work with an agency and have an agency do a custom redesign or do a, a more in-depth redesign. And so there's a number of agencies out there that are uh, very proficient in HubSpot CMS. They've been building on it for years. They love it. Um, and so you can, you can reach out to an agency to help you through the process. You know, again, if you also need help with resourcing and talent and things like that, agencies are a great place to start. Your third option is we do have a migrations team. The migrations will take a one, uh, basically clone your existing site one for one, pixel for pixel, and move it over. And so um, if you've maybe recently redesigned or you don't plan on making any big changes, that can be a good path for you because they'll take exact site you have now, move it over. If you have 20 or less pages, that's free. If you have more than 20 pages, it's 20 bucks a page to get that moved over. So um, again, if you love your current site, it's, it's performing perfectly. You just want to get it on a better infrastructure um, and take advantage of some of the tools we've talked about. You can, you can explore that for a setup path. Okay. Uh, next one. Again, I'm using the chat pane to kind of um, prioritize versus, or the Q&A pane. So Victoria says, it's easy to see a transition. How easy is it to transition from WordPress, um, for example, to CMS Hub? And is it a simple, um, and how simple is it to scale from 300 to 900? Okay, so um, hopefully my, my last answer kind of gave you an idea on the transition. We also do have, if you have like blogs and those sort of things, we have a new blog import tool. So you can basically pull all of the blog content in and that's actually CMS agnostic. We, we have a couple different tools for blog import. We do have a WordPress specific blog import. We have a CSV import and then we have an API import. So, um, you know, again, whether you want to do that or whether you want to work with an agency, importing blog content, super easy, transitioning the site itself. Again, those are the three paths I laid out. And it really depends on, you know, where your website's at, how it's performing. Does it need a more, um, a, a bigger overhaul for your launch pad? Or is it, let's just get what we have over. You may have different paths um, based off that. In terms of scaling it, that's the beauty for those of you who are HubSpot customers. That's the beauty of HubSpot is that we have, we scale with you with our tiers, right? So all of the enterprise functionality, all the tools, all the power is already kind of baked into the platform. All you got to do is hit the button to turn it on. And so there's not 
any need, you know, sometimes when I, when I work back in my agency days, we would work on WordPress or Joomla and we'd kind of be on an older version of that. We'd have to migrate to a newer version of Joomla or Drupal. And it was always kind of a big project, you know, here, if you need to migrate into a more robust enterprise tier, it's a one click button to turn it on and you get access to all those tools. You don't have to migrate any data or anything like that. And if you're an existing HubSpot customer, we're seeing a lot of customers combined marketing hub. They're maybe already using our CRM and it's a one click button to turn on the CMS and combined all those three elements, the, the marketing automation, the CRM with all your data, and then your CMS to build that growth machine, to build that um, experience. We saw that with G2 Crowd who used Marketing Hub and CMS. So, all right. Is there a trial? There are trials. So you can, um, if you go to HubSpot.com in our products page, there is a trial that you can get from the products page. Uh, the other option you have for a trial, if you're a developer, and you want to play with it, if you go to developers.hubspot.com, we have a free developer sandbox, which is basically an enterprise version of our CMS that they can play with, they can learn. We have some boilerplates they can install. And there's a getting started page on um, in our developer documentation for developers. So if you're a developer, that's the path I would go. Go to our developer docs and get our do the getting started so you can get access to the um, free developer portal. You can get access to um, the boilerplates. You get access to our CLI, uh, local development tooling for free. And you get access to our developer Slack for free. So if you have questions, you can ask in Slack. If you're a marketer, the best place is the product page. You can spin up a trial um, and you'll have 14 days. You can install one of the, the, there's default templates in there. So you can, or default themes, you can install the default themes. Okay, good. I'm going to go a little faster with uh, four minutes left. Um, What's your view on a platform CMS like uh, Squarespace versus WordPress? So um, as someone who lived in that world, um, the, the, the thing is, is like the CMS world is all about trade-offs. And so it depends on what kind of trade-offs are you willing to make for your company based off of the goals of your website. Your website is to drive revenue, drive leads. What trade-offs when you choose a CMS are you willing to make? Squarespace, what they do with the Wix, the Squarespace, what they do phenomenally well is it's so easy for a non-technical person to manage a website, to build website pages. Their visual editing is great. They do a really good job of that. The trade-off is those are built for solopreneurs, you know, small, very small businesses. And so there's inevitable that you will outgrow those systems. So to the question earlier that Victoria had, it's very tricky with those systems. You're inevitably going to outgrow them as your business grows. WordPress is the opposite option, the opposite problem. WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, they, they have the opposite problem where they're extremely flexible. But with that flexibility becomes the responsibility of dealing with maintenance, updates, security. And so you have that additional work that you have to put in with WordPress um, to make sure that it's up to date, that you have the right plugins. Average WordPress site has 20 to 50 plugins layered on top of each other, all having to be up to date or you have security issues. So the trade-off with WordPress is you have to invest time and energy into maintenance and management, whether you do it yourself or you pay someone to do it. Um, the beauty of Squarespace is it's, a SaaS, again, built off a of SaaS software. And so you don't have to deal with any of that. Now at HubSpot, again, as we talk through, we, we try to get the best of both worlds. We have something that's, that's powerful for developers easy for marketers to use. We have something built on a SaaS CMS. So you don't have to worry about maintenance and management, but it's extremely flexible and scales with your company. And so what we've tried to do is fit ourselves in the middle, um, in the mid market to be able to take advantage of all those things and not have to make those trade-offs um, when you're thinking about spending your time and energy. Hopefully that answers your question a little bit. Um, 
let's see. Do you have hubs? Wait, do you need to have HubSpot automation platform to leverage CMS Hub? That's a really good question. So no, you don't. You can buy the CMS. It's a standalone hub. You can buy it in itself. It will come with our CRM. It will come with a lot, all of our free tools are included as well. So you get free email, free landing pages, free, um, you know, all the things that are at free um, come just kind of out of the box with it. But no, you can use it separately. Of course, when you combine automation with your CRM, with your CMS and you put all those things together, like that's the ideal world. That's like the the unicorn where you're going to be able to build those really powerful user experiences and growth engine. But you can always start with a website. I know a lot of companies are like, I just need to redesign my site. That's where I want to start. And then I'll look at all this other automation and um, tooling later. You can start with CMS Hub and um, and go from there, which is great. Uh, and a note on the CRM, even if you're not ready to switch to um, using actively using our CRM with your sales team, a lot of folks use our CRM and they sync it with whatever CRM their, their sales team is using and use our CRM more as like a data store, as like a CDP, so that you again have all that data at your fingertips. So that's the other option. You don't have to use our CRM. Of course, our CRM is nice. That's a, a, probably another conversation for another day, but um, you can always just sync with the CRM that your sales team is actively using. Um, and then at least as a marketer, you have that data at your fingertips. All right, I'm gonna do uh, two more and then we're gonna, and I'll do keep them short. So Mohammed, uh, business using, for business using CMS Hub, what should they budget for beyond uh, 900 bucks per month? Uh, I mean, again, it depends on the website that you're building um, and it depends on the type of experience that you want to do. And it depends on your team resourcing. That's really it. It's like your team resourcing. If you have, um, you know, you can build a, a, a website as a marketer and use one of our themes and, and it can be pretty straightforward and there's no additional costs. If you want to build these really powerful web applications, you're going to need to get a, a development talent in there to help um, build the experience for the marketer, for managing those web apps. That event registration app that we looked at earlier, that was built by a developer, managed by a marketer. Man marketer can do all the management without having to go through a developer. So you need the developer to build the base of some of those web apps. Um, and so if you're trying to build one of those more powerful web app experiences, if you have the talent in-house, cool. You don't have any additional expense there. Otherwise, you may want to hire a developer, hire a freelance um, uh, developer, hire an agency to help you build the technical side and get you set up on those web apps. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's pretty flat rate. I think that's maybe more of what you're asking. Um, it's a standard in the industry to have variable pricing on hosting. So you get charged as you get more visitors or bandwidth or storage, you go up. One of the beauties of CMS Hub as it is today is it's a flat rate pricing. So you can have, um, I don't want to say unlimited. We have some kind of cap on it, but it's very high. Um, but we have very high caps on you know, visitors. It's like in the millions and millions um, on storage, on bandwidth. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's no, there's no variable pricing like there is in WP Engine or Pantheon or any of the other hosting platforms. It's just flat rate, which makes it predictable and easy to budget for. Um, okay, great. I'm actually going to cut it there. We got, uh, I see maybe a few more, but um, hopefully what you found between the presentation and the questions found helpful. If you, if I can reach out to you uh, or feel free to reach out to me with anything else, it's just Luke at HubSpot.com. Uh, you can also reach out to Clyde, the Hug Leader. They um, they do awesome work on the CMS. They do awesome work with Growth Gym Design. So if you have questions specific for your business to them um, and how to, how to execute some of this stuff, they can guide you through that. And um, I appreciate you all joining with us today. Have a good rest of your Tuesday and we'll all talk soon, my friends.